In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. As corporate environments go, they don't come much more high profile than Number 10 Downing Street. And that's exactly where today's guests honed their senses of style. You're listening to Fashion Unzipped. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Charlie Gowans Eglinton. And with me in the studio today are Samantha Cameron, wife of former Prime Minister David Cameron and founder of the fashion label Cephin, and image consultant Isabel Spearman, Samantha's special advisor at Number 10, turned Telegraph workwear columnist. You've guessed it, it's a workwear special. Let's begin at the beginning of your working relationship and Number 10. What did you both wear on your first days? cue blank stare at each other <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember I think for me the shock of going to Downing Street was I would live in mainly a kind of navy blue trouser suit when I went into work you know prior to that and it was that sudden realisation that when I was with my husband and you were being kind of followed around and photographed that if I was in my sort of standard uh, day outfit that we looked like sort of thing one and thing two in sort of identical outfits so I had to kind of rethink quite quickly and I can't I remember I think Isabel probably wore sort of leopard skin heels on her first day into work I remember lots of people coming up to me from downstairs in the offices going she's so glamorous she's absolutely terrifying <laughs> she was obviously stride through the offices clump, clump. Um, looking gorgeous and um, I wore a lot of cos I remember wearing a lot of cos in those first few months at Downing Street because that's what your wardrobe was in fashion but coming from fashion going into politics you kind of had to readdress what you wore a little bit but I cos was definitely my go-to staple as was it was for you for yes. a while as well um, and then we kind of realised that Dressing for fashion, dressing for the corporate world was a bit different. And how did you realise that? Was that kind of through having your pictures taken? Well, Sam had a picture taken, but actually it was in very controlled environments. We had to run every Tuesday morning. It was um, um, cabinet morning and without fail, there would be political paparazzis on the street. So as you came into work, you would forget and walk up the street and they photographed pretty much everyone going to Downing Street, but particularly the girls. And I hate... I mean, you would hate it, wouldn't you? Because every Tuesday morning, it took me a while to click on to Tuesday morning to go through the back door, but it did take 10 minutes longer. And if you're running late for work or for a meeting, it was a bit of a hassle. 
but I used to scowl at them and I got, they hated me because I scowled at them and they scowled at me back. But you did have to think on a Tuesday morning what you were going to wear or go through the back door. And so, yes, you, you suddenly are put in a position where you are being photographed going to work, which isn't really the normal thing that happens when you get to work. So what did you learn then? What became staples? Do you have workwear rules that you still stick to? No, I'm quite lucky. I, I mean, that's why I do what I do is that I feel I, I feel very good in what I wear and you had to feel good in what you wear. When I got pregnant, it was harder. I remember coming up the street and being photographed in a kind of loose, flowery dress and then the male a few weeks later did why this woman is so bad at her job and they had kind of loads <laughs> of outfits of me basically looking really fat. They didn't say that I was pregnant. But it's one of those things that just came with the territory and because... Um, Sam and David were so good at laughing all this off. You just learnt to kind of laugh it off. And really, why was it relevant? But Sam, you were pregnant when David first got voted in and you had to have your kind of official arriving at number 10 picture taken. It's not exactly what you would probably want to be doing five months pregnant, um, having a picture taken that's going to go in, in the history books. How did you choose what to wear? I think uh, as a pregnant woman, no, it did feel in a way it was quite nice because it sort of meant that you didn't have to be looking at your best. It sort of gave you a bit of an excuse not to be looking your best. And I had the help of Amelia Wickstead, who was really she was a young, very young uh, starting designer at the time, and a friend of my sister-in-law's. And she um, she made me two or three dresses that sort of got me through that kind of period at the end of my pregnancy. So I did feel very well prepared. Um, I think the difficult moment was a few weeks later was having to. St- stand on the steps of Downing Street next door to Carla Bruni um, uh, and definitely at seven months pregnant that was that was a challenge but again a bit like you were like well I suppose at least I'm seven months pregnant I don't really have to compete so it was slightly more relaxing than it might have been otherwise maybe. How did you go about preparing you know how much thought really went into those outfits? A lot so obviously you would do your best to make it look kind of effortless um and natural but the reality is that when you are being photographed and particularly being photographed getting in and out of cars getting on stage at party conferences standing you know having lots of kind of um, uh, photographers sort of at your feet in some cases sort of looking at your skirt um, you do you do have to be really prepared and if you're going to get up on a stage at a party conference having been sitting down for an hour watching your husband obviously adoringly, as he's giving his speech, you don't then want to look, have, you know, your clothes be really creased or look like a crumpled wreck when you get on stage. So we did, you know, we would, you, you would have to spend a lot of time trying on a lot of different outfits, uh, seeing what would work. Sometimes we would even, um, you know, photograph them to see what they would look like in a photograph because sometimes, you know, what would look good, you know, if you're just going out for dinner with your friends, suddenly the scrutiny of a kind of, um, camera and a kind of full length shot doesn't quite look as good as you thought it did when you looked in the mirror so there was a lot of preparation and thought went into it because you're trying to look appropriate while you know in a situation that is not normal to your everyday life while trying to feel like you're looking like yourself as well and sort of adhering in some way to your own personality. And I think that goes for any woman and of any um, senior level who's representing their company and suddenly being photographed or doing media and any female politician um, you know there's there's a list of them that you do have to put that time and effort in and it's okay to 
And that's where I come in or many other people like me. But I think it's thinking through those situations, being a step ahead, knowing what you're expected to do on this visit or I remember kind of finding out if there were cobbled streets because it sounds really silly but suddenly if you're wearing very high heels down cobbled streets and trying to keep up with all the flat-footed men and their heels you know <laughs> it, it's being prepared and being one step ahead and that's the advice I'd give to anyone who's in a position where they are going to be um, photographed or videoed. Is it still taboo for women kind of at that level to have someone advising them on style? No, I think it's less taboo. I think there's a lot of personal brand conversations going on. I think um, even um, senior men are accepting that women need more help because, frankly, there's more choices out there. And and personal brand is 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 the topic. If you want to if you want to feel better at work, but also get promoted, if you want to get ahead in your career, you need to think about what you wear. Because men and women, more senior men and women, will look at you and judge you for what you are wearing. And that's just what happens. It, it, you know, you can argue about it, whether it's right or wrong, but it's, it's what we do as a, as a culture. You know, you're judged in those first three seconds and then you open your mouth. But those first three seconds, people have made a judgment on you. So if you want a promotion, if you want to be representing your company on the public stage, you have to dress the part. No coincidence, I'm guessing, that you started your own workwear brand, Sam. Where did that come from? Was this honestly frustration that every morning you'd have to get up and put something on? And I think it was something that I'd wanted to do from my mid-20s. I was a, a creative director from my mid-20s, but working at a kind of board level. And so I found it really difficult to find clothes like a sort of uniform, I suppose, that felt feminine but also suited my personality as a creative. I didn't want to wear very kind of corporate dresses or suits and it was very difficult to find that those kind of outfits, particularly at a kind of at a non-luxury designer price point. I think there is much more choice now than there was 10, 15 years ago, but that was really um, where... Uh, where the seed of the idea uh, came from. And I think also clothes that were also easy to look after, you know, didn't crease, were washable. I think time in most women's life, uh, particularly if they're working and they have a family, is a real issue. And I think people are working longer hours and you are expected to, you know, look at your emails at all times of night and day. Um, And so, uh, so with our core fabric, for instance, I can put it in the wash, put it in a 15-minute wash when I get home at night while I'm getting ready to go to bed and I can step into it in the morning when it's dry without having to iron it. And that, I think, that is all those small things that make women's life easier. I think we've all got that pile of dry cleaning that sits in the corner of our bedroom that um, every day we mean to take in and every day you're just that five minutes late to go to the office and so it sort of sits there for weeks on end and then suddenly you've got nothing to wear. <laughs> I know, since wearing all my stuff and my dry cleaner is very disappointed. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Isabel, what's the main concern, do you think, for working women now when think, they're looking at their wardrobe? Well, I think what Sam just said, it's just ease and mm. you know time is a very precious commodity and when you're working and you've got a family and a husband and other things going on you, you don't have that kind of time to spend preparing your wardrobe and I think what I always advise clients if they know what their week entails is on a Sunday night just put half an hour aside to plan your week and plan your wardrobe and 
every morning you know what you're wearing and it just takes the stress. I mean, we all have left the house and in the wrong outfit, but it's too late. You're late, you're on the bus, you're on the tube and you can't go back and call in and say, sorry, guys, I had to kind of change my outfit. I'm coming <laughs> in half an hour. You know, and, then, and then that whole day, and it, and it sounds... It sounds very silly, but it's confidence. And if your confidence is set back because of something that you're not happy what you're wearing, it does knock you. And if you're going, I think you're just having an average day at the office, you know, everyone can cope with that. But if you were going and doing a pitch or a presentation or, or having a big moment in your career and you don't feel 100% confident in what you're wearing that morning, I do think it affects you. And that's why preparation is key. And, and finding easy things to wear that you feel great in and having that kind of working wardrobe as an armour. Um, I, th I think it's important and I think it's not a bad thing to put the time into. I think that was, again, one of the reasons why I wanted, as, as a designer, you're always trying to solve a problem. Um, and so, and for me, when I was working, there was always one or two, you know, was, you wanted a uniform, something that you knew you could step into every day and you had like one or two dresses or a trouser suit that you ended up, turning to day after day and then when when you wanted five more of those because you were getting bored of them or because they were wearing out or you felt you couldn't wear the same thing to work every day it was then you'd go shopping and it'd be really difficult to find them and my what I've set the challenge that I've set myself as a designer is how can I create for every woman five ten of those outfits that she knows that she can just reach for in the morning and she's going to get through the day feeling fantastic they're not going to crease they fit her beautifully they're comfortable she sort of feels a million dollars when she walks into a meeting and it is it's a real design challenge and in some ways it's been much harder than I ever imagined but that's why I enjoy going into work every day and I think that's what's important to find those 10 great work outfits and yes you might have to update them seasonally or as your kind of tastes change but rather than having 30 possible solutions to find 10 really good ones and it doesn't matter if you repeat a dress, just accessorise it slightly different, wear a different jacket. But I think having 10, and, and people talk about power dressing, but those 10 outfits are your power dressing outfits and they you feel your best in. And have a really good edit of your work wardrobe as well. I think a lot of people have stuff in there they think they should wear or they're used to wear, but they feel guilty kind of putting it somewhere else. And I think editing that working wardrobe to have those really good outfits that you don't have to think twice about in the morning is is really important. Well, we've all had that thing, haven't we, where you've got dressed, you're in a real rush, you're about to be late, and you've looked in the mirror and gone, oh, my God, I've got to change. And then you're sort of 20 minutes later, you're still there on your sort of fourth outfit uh, and then end up being kind of late for work. It does not set you up for a, good, for a good day's work. What disasters did you have at number 10 then, if any? Um, again, it would normally be, I mean, we had lots of outfit disasters, um, forgetting the right underwear, so not having a nude bra to wear under something. And I remember, you know, having some poor girl kind of working on Dave's team, having to lend me her bra at one party conference because <laughs> we thought we couldn't get to Marks and Spencer. And back in time, by the, by the time I'd realised that I'd left it at home, um, I forgot a pair of shoes one time and again, had to sort of wrestle some shoes on one of, one of I think it was George's um, assistant. Uh, I had, uh, we had zip, zips that would break just before you know you'd be trying to do the zip up and it would suddenly break just before you're about to have to kind of go and stand on the front steps of Downing Street and I think the worst was a party conference where I just had a baby and 
I'd sat down in the chair in the party conference hall and I'd heard this sort of ominous kind of rip all down one one side of the dress and uh, and then sort of I think, what am I going to do? I've got to walk up and, you know, onto the stage in front of all these people in this auditorium and kind of, you know, all of the British press and on TV. And uh, luckily, they, the, the uh, one of the teams sort of smuggled a sort of scarf um, to me. And I kind of remember he- holding this scarf against my, and trying to sort of make it look natural and not awkward <laughs> against my side as I went up onto the stage. And we did, we did get away with it. <laughs> Nobody noticed. Power dressing has changed so much. And looking at you both today in the studio, you're both in in bright colours, dresses. How much has that shifted what women can wear at work? I think it totally depends on the industry that you work in and your confidence as a woman. I've been since I've always worked in the kind of retail and uh, sort of fashion, uh, design, uh, creative uh, industry, where what you what you wear to you know you aren't you embrace um, your personal style yeah you totally embrace your personal style you don't feel that really is a restriction on what you wear to work I mean we had dress codes and that I wasn't allowed to wear jeans to work um, or trainers particularly if we were kind of client facing or working on the shop floor but it, since I've started the business, started talking to a lot more women in different industries, particularly law and finance. I have been shocked at the at how strict still the sort of implied dress codes are, um, and them very much feeling like they uh, can't be noticed um, or have to sort of dress like a man to some extent. So I, I think in lots of industries it is changing, and I think you don't feel like you have to wear a suit and you can wear great knitwear and. Um, you can wear dresses with blazers, but I think there are still some industries where um, it is it is very it is very restrictive. Isabel, what are your kind of trickiest clients in terms of their restrictions at work? Oh, it's definitely the legal profession, and um, they they do have restrictions because of they are in court a lot. But I mean, I met I remember meeting Baroness Shackleton at an event, and she was dressed in. I can only describe as acid green snakeskin from head to toe. And I had this brilliant conversation with her and I just said, wow, you look amazing. I love this colour. And she said, you know, I do have to wear black every day in court. So when I'm not in court, I go for it. <laughs> and that's kind of quite true to a lot of the lawyers that I've come across. Um, we did an event at Farrah's the other day and they, they kind of, they know and they accept that greys and blacks and navies and maybe a bit of camel or burgundy are, are are all right, but actually in their own home life, they love wearing scarlet and hot pink. And but I think it is changing, and the conversation, the workwear conversation, is changing. And I think it's becoming more accepted. One to talk about workwear and be okay to talk about it. Um, but there are industries that are slower moving than others. Do you compartmentalize your wardrobe? Do you have separate on and off duty? Yes, because most if I'm not working, I'm literally in the oldest pair of jeans possible, a pair of trainers. I work from home, you know, two days a week and with corporate clients. So I have completely different wardrobes. And I dropped my son off at school the other morning on the way in to work. And one of the mothers was like, um, who are you? <laughs> because normally it's going to be zero makeup and jeans. But that's what's quite, I think if I had to dress up every day, I've, I used to find it quite exhausting, the kind of 
daily pressure of dressing up. And I'm lucky that I'm in a position now where I only have to do it two or three days a week. So I actually enjoy it now rather than dreading it. But I do prepare and I and I am um, I, I do all my um, I do everything I tell my clients to do. Otherwise, there'd be no point. I think it's one of the nice things about working in an office as a woman. I think it can be something that's incredibly stressful and gets a bit exhausting. But definitely my friends who, you know, are still working in that kind of environment and they get to wear heels a few times a week and put on a great dress and kind of dress up for the office. I think as a woman, that is also something that you can enjoy. And friends of mine who aren't work, who might be working from home or uh, just looking after their family, I think do miss that element of being able to dress up because I think as women, you know, we do, you know, you, you, you do enjoy what that, is that ritual. Feeling also of wearing that great outfit and the great pair of boots or shoes you bought and feeling like a whole look has come together and I kind of, you know, walk down the street with the kind of little soundtrack in my head and I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel great and I could literally do anything today and I think it, it, it's that kind of confidence that as a working woman you want to leave the house feeling that confident and feeling like you could tackle anything and just get on with your job and not have to think about the dress is too tight or the heels are uncomfortable or is it the right jacket or the sleeves are too short? And I think it's that it is, it is all about confidence in the workplace. And I think having, as a woman, we have so many choices and we have so many, it, it is fun to embrace it rather than, than be frightened of it. Do you have a uniform, Sam, for, for work? Um, I think, well, either I say it would either be a pair of tailored trousers and, and, and a knit, which I can either wear with a pair of trainers or heels. I think for me because I'm doing the school run and then I might be going out in my lunch hour to you know, buy something for the children. And um, it is wearing outfits that I can wear with heels and with trainers. And that's something that we very much think about in the brand is that kind of versatility uh, in the styling and our choice of fabrics. So, and, and often I might be going out in the evening either with friends or to a work event. And so I so it would either be tailored trousers and a knit and a blazer or it would be a dress and a blazer. And I've got certain dresses where what I love about, you know, a, a great dress is it, I know it sounds like an absurd thing to say, but it's a bit like a tracksuit. It's a kind of one-stop shop. You can kind of just step into it in the morning, zip it up and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about things getting untucked or... Yes, I always admire people that pull off separates because mm, that is twice the amount of work. <laughs> How much has your style evolved then since number 10? I think it's become much more colourful. I think pre, as I say, pre number 10, um, I think my dressing was much more uh, monochrome. And I think in this world of Instagram where um, even, you know, all of us are being kind of photographed a bit more, but certainly for me, learning to wear print and colour and being much more confident because I was, you know, you are... I was being photographed for the first time in my life and you're trying to promote a charity or support your husband and that means, you know, because it's on... in If it's being um, recorded for TV or if it's being photographed for the newspapers, you... You know, you've got to wear something bright and certainly working with the British designers at that time, you know, Erdem, Roxander, Peter Pilotto, Amelia Wickstead, I'm much more confident about wearing colour and print than I, you know, than I would have been before. Is there anything you would tell yourself if you if you had to do it all again? Oh, I don't know. I, um, what do you think, Isabel? I'd love to say don't be so stressed about it, but I mean... But the truth was, was, you know, when you did make a mistake or had got something wrong, there was a huge amount of backlash. scrutiny and you, there was a backlash. So 
Um, and that's just the you know the culture we live in, and any any female in a high profile position experiences the same. But I think it would have been nice if enjoyed it, that part of it. I mean, it was a very small percentage of what Sam did at Downing Street, but it would have been nice to have enjoyed. It was fun working with the designers, but the kind of day to day worries of um, any negative media made it less enjoyable probably than it could have been. Mm. And do you think, was that just because to be seen to be interested in fashion is still a bit taboo in politics? No, I think it was about... I don't... I don't. I, I felt, no, you know, I felt my role was to... You know, what I could do was support the British fashion industry. It was something that I was interested in. I'd worked with a lot of the designers at Smythe before going there. So, no, I didn't have any... I didn't have any quandaries about that. Um, I think it was just about getting it right. I, I think it is quite challenging to find you know, outfits that fit you, that'll photograph well and will suit your personality and look appropriate for um, whatever it is you're doing that day. It might have been meeting the Queen or it might have been meeting a head of state or being in a charity reception or visiting a hospital. And it was, you know, looking appropriate while mm. being yourself and finding something that really suited you and would photograph well. And, and that you felt comfortable in. I mean, comfortable Michelle in. Obama is a brilliant the best example how she managed to embrace politics and fashion and she she was so well known for for championing so many brands not just american brands and high street brands but also she got her message across and she used fashion to get her message across and she embraced the fact that the media were going to talk about what she wore how much it cost and she just ran with it and she used it to her advantage and i think we were lucky we kind of she was always up, already up and running by the time Samantha kind of came to number 10 and, and she was very inspirational. Isabel, Sam's wardrobe was such a tiny part of what you actually did at number 10, but it was the part that the media always focused on. And how much did you feel like you were on the back foot? Afterwards. Well... I, I From the headlines that I was reading at the time, it was kind of, isn't this ridiculous that... Samantha Cameron needs someone to help with her wardrobe and should well, we be Well, I think paying? it's one lazy article. You know, it always is. It's kind of stylist and, and then you're stuck with it and and that's fine because no publicity is bad publicity, as we all, you know, you learn. But it, um, it you just, you know, you just roll with it because... What else can you do? Because it was a tiny bit of what Isabel was doing for me. She was um, helping organise all the charity receptions. It might be coordinating with the um, offices of, you know, foreign heads of state or the press or um, God, count. I mean, you know, countless other things. So, actually, the time that we got to to actually worry about what I was going to wear for for was for, too little, really. Was too, and it would mean there was quite a lot of stuff I didn't do. So people would say, "Will you?" You know, would you like to meet so and so when they come to visit Downing Street? And if it meant that I had to find an outfit, get my hair and makeup done, be photographed, actually, would go. No, I've got a job, I've got children. Isabel's too. We just don't have time to prepare for that. So there are a lot of things. So you'd actually try and do. It looked like I was potentially doing quite a lot, but it was much less, I think, than people thought because it, it is time. It was time consuming, and there was a lot of other stuff that I was, you know, both of us were having to get done in not just our life in Downing Street, but you know, in, in my case, at, at my day job, <laughs> and and you know, with my family. And and did you feel like you your wardrobe and how you put yourself together was scrutinised a lot more than David's? 
Um, I mean, his, his, his wardrobe was scrutinised quite a lot as well by moments. I mean, I think it is fascinating how much the colour of a politician's tie or, in Dave's case, in a sort of holiday shop, whether he was wearing socks or not. I mean, days and days of commentary. Um, uh, so I think he did get scrutiny as well. Um, and I think it's just inevitable. No, I don't think I was surprised, but you do have to be prepared for it. And you've got um, to take it with a pinch of salt, which yeah, you, know, you, you have to laugh it very off. well. Tell me about those holiday shots, because that doesn't look like anything anyone should have to do. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was kind of the it was the it was one of the worst things that we had to do. Because also you're arriving on holiday, you're supposed to do this holiday shot where you're looking kind of healthy and tanned and kind of on holiday. And as it was, you'd you know been late nights at the office preparing for going away, packing for your children, you're sort of feeling really unhealthy and white when you arrive and then you've got to look like this sort of, you know, healthy, glowing couple and and, and finding an appropriate outfit to be photographed when you're on holiday. Um, it was, uh, you know, we laughed a lot about those moments, the pointing at fish. And in the, in the end, you uh, you know, you would just be like, oh, God, here it comes again. You'll just wear the kind of... I had the same dress, actually. I remember that I do, going, the same oh, outfits. not another fish photograph. <laughs> like, oh, what else do we find? Um, and in the end, you were just sort of taking the piss of the situation yourself. It, it become a sort of comedy moment, really. Where are you both on the heels flats divide? We both like wearing heels by moments, but I think definitely the older I get, I wear trainers more, which is sort of, you know, which is, so I love the fashion at the moment, all flats that you can kind of mix it up a bit. And we definitely try and design the clothes around that from a styling perspective. Um, But I do love it. You know, I love a heel. There's a sort of I think, I think, I mean, I got quite a lot of um, slack the other day for doing column on new work shoes and the most of them were heels and I can't be people saying why won't you put flats I'm like 99.9% of the clients I see will always wear heels for a big moment and that's just personal preference I think women if I'm doing something where I'm standing up on stage or being in a position where people are looking at me I don't know I don't know what the science is behind it but I feel better in a pair of heels even if it's a pair of block heels I just feel better but day to day yes I wear much more flats and I think the fact that you can wear trainers to work Again, not in the more corporate environments, but in a lot of working environments now, it's totally fine to wear a smart pair of trainers. And I think that's great. It put a lot of osteopaths out of business, probably. Do you have any kind of hard and fast rules for good style? And I'd definitely say it's knowing what suits you. I think we've all um, come a bit of a cropper fashion-wise where you read that something is the latest thing that you must wear in fashion and you try and where actually it really doesn't suit you. I think finding shapes and silhouettes that, that and colours that really suit you. And, of course, you've got to experiment a bit and get out of your comfort zone occasionally, but I think knowing what they are and, and not feeling ashamed of sticking to that um, because whenever... It's always gone wrong when I've sort of, you know, tried to wear something that looks great on someone else and I wish I'd looked like that and, and then realising that really it doesn't I mean, suit I me have- at all visions of myself wearing a trouser suit I mean that's <laughs> I'd love to wear a trouser suit because I've seen people rocking a trouser suit but with my pear-shaped body it's never going to work and that's fine I have to put that to bed now and I live in dresses because that's why I feel my best in and as Sam said sometimes I wish I could you know be a little bit different but or funk it up a bit but actually when I have done I've normally gone straight back to my wardrobe and put my kind of uniform on and I feel I feel best in it but you you have mentioned kind of braving leather skirts and stuff at number 10. So you've been bold sometimes. Was that? Do you yeah, regret that, those? No, I love... That's my Amelia um, sample sale 
pleather, I think that's called, it's quite hot, a uh, full skirt that I found fine. I don't think I managed to fit into it after the second baby. <laughs> but it was, I, it had a real, it did have a moment at Downing Street where Carla Bruni's team came in to kind of prep for the visit and I thought, well, I better look a bit French today. So I put a kind of real cliche Breton top, black heels, leather skirt and some red lipstick and we we had a good meeting. <laughs> you against how many? Uh, I think there was only five or six in the room at the same time. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Tune in soon for a new episode of Fashion Unzipped. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 